Episode 14 and the final, Bobby Short. May 2nd, 2023 at 10.41 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. This hotel has been home for kings and queens, moguls and movie stars. In fact, when John F. Kennedy was president, the Carlisle Hotel was known as the New York White House. Great people also come here from all over the world to see and hear this man, Bobby Short, a singer with impeccable taste and a romantic touch, who's famed for singing the great songs from all eras. Join us tonight as we go to his musical domain, the Cafe Carlisle. Since the late 60s, Bobby Short has been weaving a romantic spell in this room, and he's made many friends. There's Tony Bennett, a great performer who appreciates other performers. Alice Faye and critic Rex Reed. Lucy Arnaz and husband Lawrence Luckinville. And two-time Oscar winner Jack Lemmon. Actress Monique Van Voorhe. Actor Barry Bostwick with actress Lisa Hartman. Artist Leroy Neiman. Famed photographer Scavulo and actor-director Jeffrey Holden. All waiting for the man who's been called the greatest cafe entertainer in the world, Mr. Bobby Short. Standing there before 
though it's clear to me you obviously don't adore I get no kick in a plane going somewhere in the air with the fair Mr. Lindbergh seems nothing to do Still I'll get a kick out of you. Bobby Short is Bobby Waltrip. Short, born September 15, 1924, and he passed March 21st, 2005. He was an American cabaret singer and pianist who interpreted songs by the most popular composers from the first half of the 21st century, Rogers and Hart, Cole Porter, and he championed African-American composers like Fats Waller, Andy Blake, and Duke Ellington. In 1968, he was offered a two-week stint at the Cafe Carlisle in New York City, and he remained there as a feature performer for more than 35 years. In the year 2000, the Library of Congress designated Short as a living legend, and in 2004, he ended his residency at the Carlisle at the end of the year and passed away the following year, March 21st, 2005. He died of leukemia. He was 80 years old. Although Short never publicly declared that he was gay, it was well known among his friends, fellow musicians, and some of his fans. When asked by a friend why he hadn't taken part of any of the gay pride marches of the 70s and 80s, Short's response was, I have a living to make. I can't afford to march in the gay pride parade. There's a fragment that's here today and they call it a different fragrance that thinks your way, yeah, they call it Charlie. Kind of young, kind of now, Charlie. Kind of free, kind of wow. Kind of free, kind of wow. Kind of free, kind of wow. Charlie. Kind of fragrance that's gonna stay and it's here now. Charlie. Charlie by Revlon, a most original fragrance. Listening to this interview series with Laurie Green. Believe it or not, I wrote over six pages front and back of questions for Laurie in advance. And after 12 hours of talking, I never looked at him. I didn't have to. Uh, we were just organically speaking together and it kind of meshed. Something came from Baltimore. We'll be back with jazz, blues, and RB. And I, I thank Laurie Green for being open and allowing me to learn more about her. And obviously, She's a cool lady. For those who are just checking it out, Laurie Green is an associate professor of anthropology at Stockton University in New Jersey, where she had taught since 1986. 
She is a LGBTQ youth safe space initiative at Stockton University and advocate for local LGBTQ community, the author of Drag Queens and Beauty Queens and contesting femininity in the world's playground. Let's get into this conversation. Let's see. So the bomb that really hit was um, AIDS, right? So when when you talk about a thriving community and in Atlantic City, like maybe casual sex doesn't seem as sexy anymore <laughs> or or the fact that you know, you you don't know what what's going on, um, and and you could you know be sick immediately. And I I know there used to be like um, you know, a lot of like booths and and uh, back rooms and and uh, so sex is very very um, uh, available in Atlantic City, and um, you know they. It became a negative. Like you, you, you could see the devastation within Atlantic City. You could see people sick. So then you equate it as like, oh, this is a, not a good. This, this, I will not be healthy, or I need to, you know, I may may get that, uh, something also. So I mean, the devastation of AIDS. Like I looked it back in the eighties, and I thought, oh my god, I'm not out yet. I didn't come out until I was 26. But I was like, we're doing really good. We have Culture Club. We have Michael Jackson. And we have Prince and their gender bending and, and, you know, men look like women. And I thought, Oh my God, this we're, we're moving in, in the right direction. And then AIDS came and everyone was just afraid to, to drink water out of a, a glass or uh, use a spoon. Um, you're not allowed to kiss anyone on the lips anymore. Um, you fear people. And so that was more devastating than not. I think a lot of young people don't realize what we went through, that it was kind of like at any day. And I think in the back of my mind for an older gay man, you know, it's very possible you can get AIDS, period. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think that young people, LGBTQ or not, understand the devastation that AIDS wrought or the kind of fear uh, we were living under or the kind of just, you know, absolute mourning um, we were in for years, me and my friends. I, you know, and like I said before, you know, you lose a third of your Facebook friends is what I try to say to them. Just imagine that. Just imagine in two years losing a third of your Facebook friends. That's what it was like. But and nowadays, because there's medication, I think people are much more lackadaisical about being careful. And that's one downside, I think, of, unfortunately, of um, the fact that we have these good drugs, you know, relatively good drugs. But, um, yeah, I mean, you could say the reason that it certainly was a factor in why New York Avenue is not here anymore. Sure. I mean, it's epidemic. I mean, people left. I mean, when a third of the community goes down and is no longer here and then the street gets blown up, people left. You know, part of the reason the community isn't here anymore is because the actual people aren't here anymore or they weren't, you know, they they left. And not just the street, you know. And um, so, yeah, it was a big part of it. The casinos was another influence and the money that could be made by selling that land to prospective casino development was I'll just say it that way was also another very big factor. Sure. And again, the reason that I've mentioned before um, that 
the city did not see gay tourism as something, as an economic engine, which it is. And so when they didn't do anything about helping that street stay, stay solvent and vibrant, but instead went, oh, no, we're doing casinos now. We're going to get rid of this. Um, Asbury Park and Rehoboth took over. Yeah. You know, they went, oh, great. We've got it. You know, what, what an opportunity. And so I think those are the three biggest factors um, that really led to the demise of, of New York Avenue. Again, the particulars are up for debate and there's uh, many people who disagree vehemently and, and emotionally about what happened because New York Avenue is a really, really important place to people. There's a lot of nostalgia about it. And I can even hear that nostalgia in your telling of it, Tom. <laughs> and it's one reason, you know, why it's not an afterthought, why it wasn't just like something that was constructed you know, for tourists, you don't have nostalgia about something that's constructed for tourists. You have nostalgia about something that was real, you know? And I, again, I just want to make that point about the fact that people live there. It wasn't just like a freak show for people to come enjoy on their vacation. It went from a welcoming, inviting, and and, uh, like I would, we'd roll out of our cars and park and run around and have fun. And then you know, within the, the decay of that area, it became unsafe too. Like where it, it, the city got felt, it felt more dangerous. If Maybe we didn't see it before because we were having so much fun and we were in numbers. But now people would go in there like to Atlantic City, like where's the fun? Where is the, the beach? Why isn't the gay beach populated anymore? Or, you know, why is it feel hostile that we're sitting in that area? Or we're in the city and, and the it's, you know, there's a lot of vagrants and drug use now. We're like, I don't feel safe here anymore. And it went from vibrant to the opposite, which is like, you know, degradation of the area. And then you're like, well, you know, there's flowers over at Rehoboth and it's pretty there. It's like, I feel safe there. And there's other people who are willing to sit on that beach. But it's it, also a very different place. It's a very conservative place, Rehoboth. Compared oh, yeah. Atlantic City, you know, and it's very white compared to Atlantic City, and it's very it's very it's racist. Still beach town. It's not a city like Atlantic City. It's a very different place. I mean, Asbury isn't exactly like Atlantic City either, but it's more like Atlantic City. Yeah, you know, it's a little it's a little grittier and a little bit more suburban as opposed to beachy town. You know, but Atlantic City is a city, and I and I think that that is a difference that it has and it it's what makes it difficult for people from other places who think they can come in here and reproduce a model from somewhere else never you know always fail i think is that this is a very unique place and um another thing that i think is important about the book actually is how you know the book is really about on the one hand how important place is in understanding a culture because it's, it is in my mind, an intersectional variable, just like class or race, right? Or gender, um, or sexuality. It's, and, and it's little considered, you know, that place makes a difference. Um, this struck me because, um, this is a great story about show us your shoes, actually a little tie in. So there is a festival, a debutante festival, you know, debutante uh, balls go on all over the South, a very important part of Southern culture in general. 
And there is a gay group in Austin, Texas, that does a cotillion, basically, a spoof on the debutante ball as a giant parade every year. Um, And at that parade, the hairdressers started yelling, show us your shoes, and now it's a chant at that parade. And that came from Atlantic City. There must have been those hairdressers were coming to Atlantic City for the Miss America pageant, you know, and and they spread that to this uh, festival that happens every year in Austin, this LGBTQ festival. But having said that, it's different because it's the South, you know, their expression of their gay culture, you could call it, or their shared values or the way they perform um, gayness in these festivals is decidedly Southern, you know, it's not like it is up here. And I think that that's an important thing to understand, you know, that gay people are not all alike, you know, we're just as variable and different as everybody else. And a lot of that variation has to do with the places that we occupy, you know, and how we're connected to them. Just by coming in there, I said, oh, I came in at the tail end. So I was like, oh my God, it's going to be fun. To be wonderful, and by the time I moved there, uh, I was like, "There's no bar, there's no beach, there's no the, the street that I used to roam around doesn't exist." And the the local community was beaten up because there was a level of psychologically knowing that they didn't they weren't wanted and they didn't belong in this area. Like there there was a wave of where the the, the um, the local government wasn't interested in anything that was uh, gay uh, related. And then there was the casinos who uh, wouldn't put on any gay, you know, um, programs and wouldn't even cater to the, the, the gay people that work in the casino with the, the internal memos that come out of like, you know, of, of respect. So it just, it was, it was uh, wild. And I know I, I told you before, I tried to, bring in some events and they, the event people said, we don't want associate gayness with Atlantic city. Like we don't want our regular people who come in here and gamble feel that there's uh, a, a gay overtone to the city. We don't want that. We don't want to turn and anyone what away. Mis- what a mistake that was. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, you know, I'm doing a lot of research on tourism, gay tourism right now, background research. And, um, I just saw a video that Las Vegas put out um, for app marketing and it's two gay women that come there and decide they're going to get married. It's like the softer side of Vegas is their advertising campaign. And, you know, you see them walk around the city and then she's like, Oh, I really can't because my parents won't understand. And let's just do it. It's Vegas. Let's get married. And then, and then they, she says, let's do it. Call your parents right now. And she picks up the phone and calls her parents because they're like eavesdropping on a wedding and her father is in the audience and he answers the phone like of this wedding because it was really for them. And it's just like such pink marketing, you know, it's like, and they're not stupid. Yeah. And, and the again, I can't emphasize enough the bad economic decision that the city made when they didn't recognize what an economic engine the neighborhood was. And, and, that's and, called, and that's called homophobia. There's yeah. no no other way to talk about it. It's it seems kind of false now that they do out in AC because it, it wasn't really generated within like we had talked before. It's not generated locally. 
it's not promoted or um, connected to the local area. And so they're just events with, and they come and go and they have no connection to the city. And it's the impression that this is what we think gay people want instead of, you know, we know we're catering to the people that that are in our area. It's just a disconnect there. Certainly true about the programming at the ocean. They very much want the local community to support it, but they never ask for their input or actually find programming for them. Exactly. Um, Yes. The, the, the beef that I had, and I, I don't know, I think I'm older now, so I don't really carry that like as a, a thing, but something weird happened with me with Be Visible. You know, we were chugging along and I did have, you know, aha moments while I was doing it. You know, not everyone was excited about the events. People complained. People were, you know, I showed. Always uh, complain, right? Yeah, yeah, always complain. But, <laughs> and I always said, well, I I had over 600 people who wanted to know about it. And maybe like, you know, anywhere from 30 to 75 to sometimes 125 people would show up and it was about, you know, being in, in a community. And uh, I, Rich Halpern came to one. I remember it. It's the, I don't know, it was called Judy's. It's, um, it was a, a roadside diner that was uh, kind of gay friendly. It was great. I don't know if it's Judy's, but he stood there and I, I was talking to him. He just was looking around and then. All of a sudden, he uh, this uh, group came up. You know, he decided to do the group. I, I'm all for it. I felt this is like a this is taking what Be Visible did and taking it to the next level. And and I was like, this is awesome. This is we're moving, and like I, we're having an entertainment like once a month with this Be Visible. We now are are, are targeting uh, the businesses in the area. We're trying to make it gay friendly. This is what the progress that we need. So that's what started it. And then I really like everyone left <laughs> be visible because they thought it was more fun at um, the other place. And, uh, you know, I talked to him and I said, why can't we coexist? And I even talked about the pink pass and some other di- ideas that I have. I'm like, why can't the be visible be the entertainment piece of, of what you're trying to do for locals and, and then have your business thing on this. Like, why can't it be combined? And I went to a board meeting. So we were in a board meeting and it was filled with a whole bunch of people in there. They, yes, yes, yes. Me, they listened to what I said. I walked away, never responded back to me about the opportunity of working together. And then I was like, I don't feel, you know, like the, I read their bylaws and I said, I don't think you guys are doing what you're say you're doing like there's not inclusion there's a lot of people felt like they were like uh that they weren't really working for them and then they kind of just found out oh it's not really about business it's about getting Miss America back up they were duped exactly, they were, what, it about. It, yeah. exactly what it was about and it wasn't about anything else yeah and, and I'll tell you because I was on that board for a bit and it, it's the beef that I had was, um, yeah, well, why aren't we, we're not really doing anything. The only thing we're doing is Miss America. And it's like, that's all they cared about. If you had another idea, they'd be like, oh, well, go do that yourself. Oh yeah. yeah. By, by yourself, by the way. So yeah, that, that became very much their focus was there late. So I don't know, you know, I'm not sure the history of that, you know, like if it was always like that or not, it it was like that. It was, uh, like I basically stopped doing Be Visible around 2011. So 
because I also moved too. Uh, but I stopped doing them because I couldn't commit to these businesses that people would show up. Now I talked to Jeff Rosenberg about what happened. And he said, you know, people, if you would have hung in there, maybe about six months, people got the idea of that. This wasn't what they were, they were told and they would have came back and supported be visible. He said that not having be visible was probably the worst thing because you need that social outlet. And now it became worker bees for Miss America. You know, it's like, exactly. we're like wait, wait, we're, we're trapped. We're, we're doing this. Pro- uh, we're, some people were willing yeah. to do it. And some people were like, what is this? What am I doing? It was frustrating for me because I, I felt that they rich took his own personal interest and not the interest of gay people in the area and did what he wanted to do. And, and, and put an umbrella up and said, okay, this is a, this is a part, this is for the gay community, blah, blah, blah. We're all working together, but it wasn't, it was just some kind of uh way to get Miss America up. And I don't, I guess drag race started probably back then the commercialization, the visuals of what he could see. I- yeah. That, that doesn't surprise me, but yeah, it became, it became apparent to me that that's basically the only thing that they wanted to do. And the mixers were there to get support for Miss America, basically. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, it's so funny. I mean, I, like, what a hidden agenda. So, you know, that I went away. They um, arrived, and it's funny. They, they died when I came back, <laughs> like, you know, f- um, folded as a, as a group. And then, I, then uh, you know, they said they had still money in their coffers. They were going to give it to be visible if they wanted. And, you know, we had the pandemic and things happened. So it was a thing where I, I walked away really kind of disappointed. And I was disappointed about the people who were, you know, going to our be visibles that a new shiny object got their attention and they flocked over there in a heartbeat and not really understanding what be visible was about. It was about making connections and, and being a part of, you know, uh, a community. And sometimes you got to put in the work, right? So I was like, oh, we're putting in the work by, you know, being stronger and developing more of a, a community setting and, and, and learning more about each other. And, and I know uh, Rich kept on telling people that be visible is just a hookup thing. It's just only designed to, to uh, meet up and have sex. Like he was telling people that. So they were supposed to stand for something. And again, the drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He you, was know spo- what, you know what someone, I told you this, but I'll, I'll say it again. You know, uh, Sometimes you make a space, you create a space, like you created the space, right? Yeah. Where you and others, I don't know um, who else was involved, but you created this space where people could gather and it seemed really nice and interesting. It was an interesting space. It had potential, right? Yeah. And there's some people that will walk into that space and say, I want this space and I want to do something with it. And they take it, you know, and, and, it, it it doesn't feel very good um, because they're not taking it actually to make it better. They're taking it for their own agendas, you know, what they want to do with it and how they want to, you know, the kind of social capital they want to gain in the community from it. Yeah. Uh, and, we, and I hear you because <laughs> this is, it's, it's happened to all of us, you know, that have gone in naively and thought, Oh, I'll just build it and everybody can enjoy it. And then, you know, it, it doesn't feel good 
to have someone abscond with that that uses it for what you perceive as their personal gain. Yeah. Wow, what a what, what a full circle thing because we mentioned I know, I've earlier. Been there too. <laughs> I think our first conversation we mentioned this, and we're yeah. uh, unfortunately, I, I mean, I'm not there. I, I'm not able to. I would really hope that be visible would continue because of the value of just being together is important. And the fact that people show up, I I admire every single person because I I believe in my heart they understand the need to be together. And even they don't have to be best friends or whatever, but it's the fact that it's that representation that we're here and then now we're going in, we're not going away. Um, it's, you know, it's important. So, you know, I, if I was there, I would continue. Um, but I'm not there. And, uh, yeah. And you know. it's a shame. It is a shame what happened. And I don't really want to get into that because I don't want to, I don't know. It's not a topic, a good topic for conversation on here. It is a shame because it was going, you know, and, um, but again, there was a space and it seemed like it had potential. And, and, you know, when that happens, sometimes other people who have other agendas move in. That's that's what happened again, you know, so, (laughs) so, you know, it's deja vu all over again, isn't it? (laughs) It, it was almost like I was like reading your book and I went, like everyone you were talking about the K Alliance thing, I'm like conceiving, you know, like I was like, no. <laughs> well, yeah. you, you wouldn't be the only one. Uh-huh. Definitely not be the only one who, who feels that way. And, and it is, you know, uh, a few years ago, I, I produced a, um, a reunion show for all the, uh, originals who won the Mr. America pageant, the, the Mr. America 1.0 people, right? And we had it at the Anchor Rock Club and it sold out. We had like 450 people there. It, it was amazing. And, and we had a lot of the original winners of Mr. America performing. Mortimer came back out of retirement, which he does occasionally. Yeah. Uh, you know, and everyone will come out for him. Um, Tinsel Garland almost came, but she couldn't, she wasn't feeling well, but we, you know, um, we had, uh, you know, Chunky Marinara was there. I mean, some real aging, you know, not, you know, people that might be the last time we get to see them perform. Um, and it was just so amazing and heartwarming to see all the old people who used to be in the, in the neighborhood come back for this event, you know, and, and celebrate it. And, um, you know, that I can't agree with you more that those are the kind of things that make remind people of what's important and to come together to be able to do that was very important. And, um, and nobody benefited from it except maybe the people that performed and they deserve to have that recognition, Definitely. you know, and that was my concern in running it was, um, that, uh, you know, those people got the recognition that they deserved the historical importance that they deserved. And they are historically important. You know, I mean, they really are, even if they don't have any money and they're not important in the larger scheme of things, they're really important to the community in this city. And uh, so that, that um, again, you make a space and then other people want a piece of it. They're like, Oh, show, maybe we should do our own shows. You know, it's just, it's just interesting the way people are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, but, the- that goes back into activism. It almost goes back to the thing where you, you, you move forward 
in the community and you know you're you're bombarded like the work that's involved and you're bombarded with other people's agendas attached to it along with uh you know just the and, and you want to be fluid with with uh working on things and say it's it, it, it evolves it grows but sometimes like a a force like that just takes over. Well, just, I mean, I should have finished my story a little better because I remember now I originally said it. Um, even that event, which was the originals, um, event, um, we, there were people who asked me right away, Oh, does any of this money go to John and Gary? Where's this money going for the ticket? <sighs> because they didn't want to go if it went to the Alliance or John and Gary's pockets. There's a lot of bitterness, you know, a lot of anger um, at both of those organizations. And and just in the community, I mean, this is what I'm what I heard, especially running that event. Yeah, you know? I'd ask that question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I don't blame you because that but just goes to show you how much ill feelings are still around. You know, and everyone had a great, I don't know if you made it to that, but I remember it, but every time everyone had a great time at that event, it was so successful. And uh, I'll always remember it, you know, as one of the, like really uh, one of the, I think one of my better accomplishments in the city, honestly, even though it wasn't a big deal, you know, I, I think it was really important. And I think the guys really appreciated it. No, yeah. every everything you do is a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, Everything oh, builds. Thank on, you. I don't feel that yeah. way. No, I know, but I'm just saying, like everything builds on each other. Uh, the what I what I, I'm still ah, attached okay. to Facebook and everything. Every event is a is a win. The decision to to try to include people in the community is a win. So uh, there's more wins on on the uh, you guys felt you guys are working really hard as a group, and you know it may not be well. Uh, attended or or there may be people who may be bitchy bony when they're there but it doesn't matter you know it's a win so it, it's a good thing it, it, it seems like we talked about atlantic city and i don't really have an, an answer other than the fact that it would take the, the 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 city government the casinos and the the local people to you know to bring it together if they they even choose to go into another New York Avenue vibe, you know, where it's a gay destination. But if it's not, it's okay. I mean, there is Asbury, there is Rehoboth, and Rehoboth is shrinking. It is just could be a wave of where we're at our society. Where I think, yeah, Rehoboth is sort of becoming a quiet lesbian uh, in terms of the LGBTQ. <laughs> you know, it's more it's quiet, it's more conservative, and I think it it attracts more women. Can I tell you what uh, straight white men say? What? They go to Rehoboth because there's too many black people in Ocean City. Uh, I believe that. Yeah. The boardwalk used to be uh, very mixed. And, and now a lot of gay people don't even go on the Rehoboth boardwalk and hold hands or anything. If they do, it's more of a statement piece or whatever. But it's not. Uh, they're, the gay bars have decreased. and The, the beach is, is tighter. And we're... we're uh, not as prevalent, even though they were considered a gay area. And I said, what, what is going on here? Why is it so crowded? And that's what I was told. There are so many black people. On a, a well, ocean. and that's, that's ironic because, you know, Ocean City used to be one of those places where you couldn't go if you had like dark hair. 
Like I, I remember as a kid, my dad telling me not to go to Ocean City. I was always afraid of it. I didn't go there till I was an adult. New Jersey? Yeah. Because they were like, oh, uh, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, they're talking about to be the, white, they, to be like, you know, you can't be even be Italian and go there. Like it was considered. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Parents' mind, it was considered like a place you wouldn't be safe if you went. Yeah, yeah a lot of people do that. Like, uh, and I'm not, not talking about uh, New Jersey. I'm talking about it, it's oh, uh, Ocean, Ocean City, City, Maryland. Ah, okay, yeah. yeah. But you're right, Ocean City, New Jersey. I still have I have friends who are black who said we were always told never to don't go, go. There. Yes. Don't go there. I literally and, never went until I moved down here. Yeah, never. As a white person walking the boardwalk, I, I have no idea why they would feel that way because it's just so nothing you know to me to me but to them it was a big deal and then i'm like i gotta respect that you know that they are really nervous about coming in here you know again it's about being the only you know we talk about being the only person of color in the room i think it's that feeling that they're talking about and how you're treated you know by business owners and stuff and people looking at you like nobody wants that yeah. You know, so, so it's the country music that they're playing. In the, oh God, in, yes, the country <laughs> music. The coded, see, that's coded music for me. <laughs> We're at a point where this we have eight minutes left. Okay. And you know, do you do a wrap up and just a conversation, or we just say goodbye? You know, I almost feel that you know uh, anyone who was listening to us to and they got to this point, they got they got it, they got the big picture. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we can wrap it up. I really had fun, Tom. This is really fun. I really yeah. enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> you have to come yeah. when you're in town. <laughs> we would have we would have been friends. I could have I could have told, <laughs> but we we would never had this kind of depth of conversation. We're you know we're checking on each other, you know. So it it would have happened, but it you know may have been a little different. But I'm excited about this. This is something different for me to do, and I'm glad that we did it. And I. We'll take some time to, to edit it down and make it pretty. And I'll send it to you as a package. And then you can take a look at it and say, is this something you want to put out? Because. Yeah. Yeah. This was really fun though. Thank you. I really enjoyed myself. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, this is how we're going to end it. It was great talking to you. Anyone who is listening to us that got to this point where we love the fact that you were entertained by our conversation. Just as a, a footnote, I wrote, like six pages worth of questions and not one of them was asked. So this is, a, <laughs> no, this was a, this was an organic conversation. I wanted to keep it that way. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was great. All righty. All right. Bye Tom. We'll be talking soon. Okay. Alrighty. All right. Bye-bye. Episode 14, Bobby short is complete. End of series. <laughs>